The FFIEC has issued an update to its cybersecurity assessment tool, a tool released in June 2015 that has come under criticism and scrutiny for its vagueness and diversion from other well-established cybersecurity assessment frameworks, such as the NIST cybersecurity framework. Here, Amy McHugh, a bank advisor and former IT examination specialist for the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, shares her thoughts about the updates recently issued by the FFIEC and why they spell positive change for banks and credit unions. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. So, Amy, it's nice to have you back uh, here to talk with me. It's been a while since we've spoken. Yes, it has. Thank you. I appreciate it. I enjoyed the opportunity. Sure, and I'm glad that you were able to be here with us today. Amy, before we jump into some of the discussion about the changes to the FFIEC cybersecurity assessment tool, better known as CAT, could you just give our audience a brief overview of what the CAT is and why it has been so controversial based on what you've been hearing from your clients? Sure. Well, the CAT or the cybersecurity assessment tool is an effort that the FFIEC agencies began back in 2015 to address the emerging cybersecurity threats to financial institutions. And the cybersecurity assessment tool, or CAT, is a way for organizations, for institutions, to assess their cybersecurity inherent risk level as well as their cybersecurity maturity level. It does not take the place of an information security risk assessment uh, that financial institutions have been doing for a number of years now. But it does give them an idea of what their cybersecurity, specifically cybersecurity risk, meaning threats from intrusions or data loss from external entities. So the cybersecurity assessment tool, um, there's an inherent risk level rating where institutions go through some questions to determine what their inherent risk is for cybersecurity threats, meaning with their current uh, offerings, their services, uh, their complexity, how likely is it or what kind of a risk level do they have for actually having a potential cybersecurity incident? And then the cybersecurity maturity level tells them, again, they have a number of questions. Actually, there's, I think, going on 500. It's approximately 490 questions to respond to. And institutions then will get, at the end of that, it will be an assessment of how, what their maturity level is or how capable they are of addressing cybersecurity risks at their institution. The FFIEC has provided a little matrix that shows, based upon your inherent risk level, what your cybersecurity maturity level should be. So, for example, if you have an inherent risk level of, let's say, least or minimal, you should be at least at a baseline cybersecurity maturity level. And then as you go up at inherent risk, your cybersecurity maturity level should increase as well. So it's just to give institutions an idea of how capable they would be in addressing a cybersecurity incident. Amy, I want to come back to one of the points you made about the number of questions that have to be responded to, nearly 500. That, that seems like quite a few. But before we get there, could you just clarify, most of the banking institutions that you're working with are smaller community-based institutions. Is that right? Yes, uh, primarily smaller um, banks and a few credit unions. Uh, most are under a billion in assets. And so, gosh, it just seems to me that responding to that many questions for an institution um, that kind of falls within that range that you just described would be very challenging. It is, and that's where my clients who have who've reached out to me for some assistance on completing this tool have the most problem. The inherent risk rating determination questions are not so bad. They actually go through pretty quickly. But the, with approximately 490 questions for cybersecurity maturity level, um, there are you know, institutions, particularly maybe smaller, uh, less complex institutions, have a lot of questions as to maybe what 
the different categories mean, how they might apply to them. There are some in, um, instances where they have outsourced network support where they're not even sure how to respond to questions. So I'm able to provide that assistance and help explain the tool to them. So they, they do find that really challenging. There was actually one institution I went through who was, who was fairly um, complex and actually knowledgeable. It took us four hours just to go through the cybersecurity maturity level question. So it is challenging. Yeah, and I could see from an institution's perspective, especially if you're a smaller institution, you know, you mentioned the questions about third parties or perhaps outsourcing. I might even question, do I need to answer all these questions? Are all of these questions even relevant to me? Exactly, and that's where a lot of institutions come into questions. They'll, they'll put in NA. Sometimes NA or not applicable could be an option, but a lot of times it's not. And so um, as a result, they have to put no for some of those that they're not sure about. And that, of course, then affects their cybersecurity maturity level ratings, which you know leads to further issues down the line as to how they're going to address those. And I believe some of the changes that recently came out do kind of offer, I guess, more options for responding to some of these multiple choice questions. But before we talk about that, Amy, I do want to ask you one question. I think it's something that we've talked about quite a bit for the last two years. Do you believe today that the CAT is truly voluntary, that the use of it is truly voluntary? Well, according to the clients that I've spoken with who have gone through uh, examinations, uh, federal regulator examinations, FDIC, OCC, et cetera, uh, it doesn't sound like it's truly voluntary. Um, it is officially voluntary, but I know that examiners have, if the clients have, if my clients have not completed the cybersecurity assessment tool, they're advised to do it, to complete it. Um, and so they're under the impression that it's not truly voluntary, that it's something that um, they need to complete for each exam and that it's a requirement, which it's not. And that's, I keep wanting to reiterate that to my clients and to other institutions. As of right now, it is not required. Um, it's recommended in the sense of, I think examiners are wanting institutions to get a better idea of their cybersecurity risk level. And the easiest way right now, and the most direct way right now, is to use this tool. Um, but again, I, I caution institutions not to get too hung up on completing the tool if you have an exam coming up, especially if you have other things that you need to get done ahead of time. But just to make sure that you're aware of the tool and that you're familiar with it and that maybe you've just started to complete it, I think is sufficient. Now let's talk about some of the changes, Amy. It looks like most of the changes were made to Appendix A, which maps out, as far as I understand, how the tool can be used to align with risk management and control expectations that are outlined in the FFIEC's IT examination handbook. And I think that kind of jibes with what you said a moment ago. Um, is this Appendix A, is this an entirely new appendix, or is this an existing appendix that's just been changed? Appendix A is an existing appendix that has just been changed slightly. Again, I went through and reviewed it, took it, went um, side by side with the original Appendix A, and there are no material changes. So there's nothing, if you've already gone through and done your um, cybersecurity um, maturity level rankings, you don't necessarily need to go through and redo it again. Um, if you do, you'll find all of the questions are the same. The only change is that you, um, are allowed to have an additional response item, yes, with compensating controls, um, which will allow an institution, let's say, just for, and this is just for baseline items, baseline cybersecurity maturity items only, um, because the goal is for everyone to be at baseline. And there may be some questions that institutions, particularly smaller, less complex institutions, may not have um, 
an item that would meet the baseline requirement. Uh, I typically point to the requirements for a data flow diagram. And a lot of institutions I see do not have data flow diagrams. They may have network diagrams, network topologies. Um, so again, if they don't have a data flow diagram, they can't reach baseline in the cybersecurity maturity level rating. So what this will allow is that institution to say yes with compensating controls. So we may not have a data flow diagram, but we are able to meet this requirement with a detailed network topology. Uh, maybe we have a very non-complex network where we can show where data flows just in and out through the one, uh, maybe one external connection on the topology, something like that. So I like this change a lot. I think it will give institutions uh, more options to reach that baseline level. Amy, do you think that these changes then do in fact bring enough clarity to the tool? Uh, I think they're getting there. I think, you know, the Appendix A, the mapping, um, well, I'll go back to the Appendix A mapping. Um, the information security and the management IT handbooks that the FFIEC has put out have been updated recently. And this mapping in Appendix A um, points to those updated sections of those handbooks. So I think in this sense, this mapping allows for um, additional clarity in the sense of an institution can go to a current handbook if they have a question and find it specifically, you know, a further definition of the question um, to, for their response for this particular item. Um, so I think I like that. I like, think that's really good. Um, I still think that there needs to be additional work on the tool. I'm still seeing some confusion in the institutions, at least I visit, as to, again, what the real point of this tool is. Again, questions about how voluntary is it, what exactly are examiners and regulatory agencies expecting uh, institutions to get out of this tool, and how are they going to integrate it more into their information security programs. So then what are your recommendations to clients when they come back? And I could see where they might question, you know, what, what's the purpose of, of doing all of this, especially if it's allegedly voluntary, but what would your recommendations be? Right. Well, I, I think it's a really good tool. I think it's, it gives um, institutions a different perspective onto additional threats that might be facing their institution. I always recommend that they complete it. Uh, I, again, I, I, I recommend to them to put it, you know, as one of the lower priority items on their agenda, they have other things they need to get done. Um, but to complete it, to walk through it, talk about the different items, take two or three different sessions to complete it. Don't think you need to get it all done at one time. Maybe work with your IT committee or senior management to kind of discuss each area and to understand you know, what, you know, do we actually, are we actually compliant with these particular areas? What else, if we do want to move to a higher complexity organization or, or services that may increase our inherent risk level, what is it we might need to do then in order to meet that from a cybersecurity maturity level standpoint? Will we have to hire additional people? Will we have to send our current people to um, advanced training? So things like that, I think it's good to keep this in mind and when you're looking at maybe new products and services as to what you're going to have to do in order to protect those new products and services. I like the tool a lot. I think it's important to, again, keep it in perspective and that it's not something that should take over, immediately take over some higher priority items they have on their agenda. But I think it's a good tool. They should complete it and talk about it internally. What exactly does it mean to us if we want to, say, implement mobile deposit capture? How will that affect us in the long run? How will that affect 
um, what we need to do internally to support that. So I like that tool in that sense. And Amy, you know, it is a good tool, and I think that the principle of it is there, and I think it is a good sign also that the FFIC has been open to recommendations from the industry. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and I think that's where we need to get the feedback, the communication going back and forth, so not just the really large and huge institutions, the systemically important institutions, but smaller community institutions that really are struggling, I think, overall in general with the compliance load that they have to do, not only in IT, but across the board, and making sure that they're heard and that the tool is appropriately sized for the smaller community-based institutions. Well, Amy, as always, this has been very informative, and it's been great to talk with you today. Great. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Again, we've just heard from Amy McHugh, a former IT examination analyst who now works for Clifton Larson Allen. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.